Praise the Lord. Falling in love with Jesus. <laughs> One scripture I love in the Word of God, Christ says to his apostles, his students, his, his disciples, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Christ is the initiator of our relationship. He chose us. He called us by name, personal call. He called you by your first name and you heard him in the spirit. And now you're here in the house of God and giving him praise. I'm so glad that he chose us. I'm so glad that God chose me. I have joy in my heart this morning. I really do because God is good and he is merciful and his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Right now we want to take up our Sunday school offering. Um, this, this offering goes to, to, to buy our material for the children and for Sunday school. So ushers, if you may come up please. Usher, one usher. Oh, ushers, there we go. We have two. Plural. I want to ask that you give. We want to pray over our Sunday school offering. It's good to give in the house of God. It's good to support and invest the things of God, into the things of God. I want to pray over right now in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the strength and the power to get wealth, Lord. You give us energy and, and talents, Lord, and time to work and, and to produce, Lord God, so that we may have money. And Lord God, we give back to you what you have given us. We give back of our finances, Lord. And we ask that you'll bless it, Lord Jesus. Bless our household. Bless our endeavors, our business, our jobs, our family, Lord. And we thank you and we worship you in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen? Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. the word this is Sunday school our main service will start at 1045 we'll pray first and then have our main service but in this session here we're gonna just go through the word a little slowly today this morning and get some understanding and and some insight amen in here in this room I see ministers I see people who have a treasure in earthen vessels God has given us, you may be seated, sorry about that. God has given us a great responsibility. He has put the kingdom of God in our hands. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people back to the Father, our Father, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a great responsibility because we're not perfect. We have flaws ourselves. We're broken ourselves. But God still chose in his wisdom, in his manifold wisdom, to entrust us with this great message of truth. The Bible says the truth will make you free. 
people are freed by truth and truth alone. And God tells us in the book of John that his word is truth. He says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The word. For us to have faith, the faith that pleased God, it has to be grounded in the word of God. It cannot be grounded based on our experience or our own thoughts or reasoning because we know nothing. But when we base our knowledge and our faith, our belief on the word of God, then we will see results. Then we will see people saved. Then we will see the promises of God manifest in our lives. Can I get an amen for that? Today I want to talk about salvation. And I want to start off with this, the sinner's prayer. How many of you heard about the sinner's prayer before? Of course you have. There's many churches or, or you know, organizations that, that give this call called the sinner's prayer. Mega churches, thousands of people are being so-called or what, what, what we will say saved based on an act or function called the sinner's prayer. So I want to read the definition of the sinner's prayer from Wikipedia. So it's biased. There's no sides taken here. It's just facts. Amen? And we want to see if the sinner's prayer is what really helps us or makes us born again. That's the word they use, born again. Amen? Very important. We have connect groups. Our connect groups are our home Bible studies where people from the world come into our homes and, and we fellowship and they're connected to us. And many of these people, because they love God and they're sincere, they feel like they're saved because one day they walk through the sinner's prayer. And it's up to us now, because God has led them to us. It's up to us to know the truth, declare the truth, and the truth will what? Make them free. So let's see now what God says about the sinner's prayer. Are you ready? Right, let's do it. Definition from Wikipedia, not Travis, Wikipedia. I want to ask you guys to go on your phone, open up Wikipedia, and type in Sinner's Prayer in Google or whatever. You'll see that I'm reading verbatim what they wrote, okay? It says, the Sinner's Prayer, also called the Consecration Prayer and Salvation Prayer, is an evangelical Christian term referring to any prayer of repentance prayed by individuals who feel convicted of the presence of sin in their lives and have the desire to form a renew or renew a personal walk with God through Jesus Christ. It is a popular phenomenon in evangelical circles. It's a phenomenon, it says, popular phenomenon. It is intended to be an act of initial conversion to Christianity. While some Christians see reciting the sinner's prayer as the moment defining one's salvation, others see it as, beginning, as a beginning step of one's lifelong faith journey. It, is also, it also may be prayed as an act of recommitment for those who are already believers in the faith. Here it is here now. Often, let's say often, 
often, very often, at the end of a worship service in what is known as an altar call, a minister or other worship leader will invite those desiring, listen to this, they're desiring to receive Christ, thus becoming born again, to repeat with him or her the words of some form of a sinner's prayer. They will say, repeat after me. But what's an altar call? An altar call is an invitation to respond to the word of God and or receive Jesus Christ. It allows those who have heard the report of the Lord, the infallible word of God through preaching to respond to it in faith. So it's a crucial moment. This altar call is a crucial moment for man and a woman to receive what they've been looking for their whole life. To receive Jesus, God himself, into their lives. It's a crucial moment. The most important moment in our lives. Praise God. We see this also as a frequently found, we, it, it also is frequently found on printed gospel tracts, urging people to repeat these words from the bottom of their heart. The sinner's prayer is not without critics. I did not write this. Listen to what it says. I did not write this. This is facts. It's a definition, okay? The sinner's prayer is not without his critics because no such prayer or conversion is found in the Bible. I want to tell you something about this thing we call religion, okay? I want to show you how to know if the church you go to, if it's this church or another church, is preaching the right thing. I'm going to show you how. Whenever there's false religion, people, that minister or that organization or church cannot read through the Bible plainly. And let it fall on good ground and produce fruit. When it's false religion, they have to explain why what they're reading is not true. I'm going to give you an example. For instance, we see in the Bible clearly, we all can read, we see it clearly, that when someone received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues. So when they see that, and because they have not experienced it, what they will say to you, it is not for today. Am I right or wrong? I'm right. I'm not bashing anybody into speaking the truth. Amen? When they see stuff like the baptism in Jesus' name, what do they t um, tell us? It's not that way. You if you're going to change or if you're going to have a false doctrine, you cannot just read the Bible. You have to change it. And that's how you know someone is preaching truth. There's things in the Bible that we have not experienced, like myself, for instance, I have not seen someone raised from the dead. But does that mean that I'm going to change the word of God? No. I'm going to believe it because the Bible says the just shall live by what? By faith. And faith is grounded in the word of God. So if God says it, I believe it, even if I did not experience it myself. Amen. I have family members who preach the gospel, Right? But because they have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they say it's not for today. Instead of doing what our brother Seymour did. You know Seymour, the Azusa Street Revival. 
He preached the baptism of the Holy Ghost for years without having the Holy Ghost. But one day, because of his faith, God filled him with the Spirit of God, and he spoke in tongues. As a matter of fact, I believe that he was the last one in, in the group to actually receive it, although he was preaching it. Isn't that amazing? I think. I think he was the last one, but I know he wasn't the first one. But he stuck to the script. He stuck to the Word of God because people who love the Lord understand that his Word is important. His Word is what saved us. We're begotten by the Word of God. So we have to preach it verbatim under the anointing, and we will see results every time in Jesus' name. So I want to emphasize this, that Jesus saves, not man. Not even his ministers can save us. His ministers are messengers of righteousness, messengers of the message that Christ has given to the world. But Christ, Jesus, his name alone shows us his character because Jesus means Jehovah, the Lord, has become my salvation. He gave us that name and said, this name is above every name now because I'm going to be your provider and your healer and your guide in one name, Jesus. So now when we call on the name of Jesus, we're calling on the totality of God. We're saying, Jesus, my Savior, save me, a wretch like me. And he comes in and save us because he is the Savior. In Isaiah 45, verse 22, it says this, Look unto me, God speaking, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. 23 says, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear, or we know now to confess. But look at this. He says, look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Sometimes as human beings, we, be, we reason salvation from our own minds. I'm going to show you something with this. We say how about the people who are in the Amazon or the jungle or the people that, are, that live in Antarctica, if they do, right? How are they going to receive? Have, are they saved? And when we go through this thought process in our own limited mind, then we begin to question God's word. Well, maybe we don't have to be baptized to be saved because these people aren't baptized. Or maybe we don't need the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues because how about the people in the jungle? How are they going to hear, the, hear the message? Even though we have no facts, we reason this in our minds, and this is the seed of deception and the seed of false doctrine because we are looking at this whole scope of salvation from us, like, like we're in charge of this. God says in Isaiah 45, the word says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. That means everyone that God is saving will be saved and will go through the plan of salvation. When God orchestrated this plan of salvation for us to respond to, he took into, into consideration everyone. He knows all things. And he, it's not a partial plan. It's an absolute plan. And he knows the foundation of God standing sure that God knows who belongs to him. 
Think about yourself. How did you start? No, everyone on this planet starts the same. You didn't come out the womb speaking in tongues, knowing doctrine. You came out, I came out ignorant of God, an enemy of God, not knowing left or right. But God in his grace and his mercy has saved us. It wasn't our choice, but he chose us. So how much more them that are in the jungle, them that are in Africa, Antarctica, amen. God knows his eyes go to and fro throughout all the earth looking to show himself strong to someone whose heart is perfect towards him. God knows how to save. His name is Jesus. Jehovah has become our salvation. He says in Matthew 11, 28 and 30, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. If you're burdened with bad relationships and sin, God says, come unto me. You don't need to labor and strive in this life. But if we're led by the shepherd, God will bring us to a place of rest and safety and, and a sound mind in Jesus' name. He is the Savior. 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here we go now. So now we know that Jesus Christ is the Savior. God himself in the flesh came in and, 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 and gave his life for us, his blood. Life is in the blood. God cannot die. Remember that. God never died. But he gave his life, his blood from his body for us so we may live. Amen? So we see now in John chapter 3, verse 3, he's speaking to a religious person who wants to know him. And that's a wise thing. Because sometimes when we start, we can make mistakes like I did. I wasn't born in this, but I went to church and I heard stuff, but I was sincere and God led me to the right place. So people could start in point A, but end up with Jesus at the end of the day. And that's why we don't judge people. And we're praying for the ministers out there who are doing this, doing this um, sinner's prayer. We're praying for them. We're praying for the congregation that the Savior will reveal himself and give them boldness to preach truth in Jesus' name. So he tells this religious man, Nicodemus, he says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5 says again, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. If I say water, end of, of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then it gives us a little taste of what it looks like to be born again of the water and spirit. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it lists. Peter, the spirit, remember? And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Now, my question is this. Do we see any of those elements figuratively or literally in the sinner's prayer? No. We don't see water and spirit anywhere in the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer as they call it, is a prayer of repentance, which is good. What, what makes it error is that after they say to you, now you are born again. And that's where the hammer drops. And that's where we, we, we don't cross over the Jordan 
to the promise of the Spirit of God, right? Because of that block. So it's good to repent and to pray and to lift your hands and, you know, say, God, forgive me. But there's more. We must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And we must look for the example of the wind. Where do, where we, when, when, when do we see the wind? When, when do we see this experience that, that Jesus says people who are born again experience? I want to know the wind. I want to feel the wind. I want to get a revelation of what, what that's like, right? Amen. So we see Jesus Christ being the, the, the great leader that he is. We see him in Luke 6, verse 12 through 16. We see him choosing now men who he was going to entrust this message to. That's my tablet. Entrust this message to, to preach the gospel to us. He chose men because he knew that he was leaving. And he wanted the family business to continue. So he chose people that he trusted. He taught them and chose them. We, we see it here. It says that it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray. He prayed first and continued all night in prayer to God. He was in the flesh. 13. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. And of them he chose 12, whom also he named apostles. Apostles means, mean sent ones. These 12 men that he chose, he chose them. He handpicked them. Out of all his disciples that were following him, he prayed all night and handpicked 12. Because 12 is a number of government. He knew that he was establishing the kingdom now on earth. He picked 12 men to go out and preach what he has taught him to preach. He didn't choose me or you. We weren't there yet. But he had us in mind then and chose these 12 men to preach the word and to make disciples of the nation so that this message will continue throughout all generations. You see that? God is a God of order. He's strategic. Amen? He plans. He has a plan and a purpose, and he's strategic on what he does. And he strategically chose these men to preach his message. John 17, 20 says this. Watch this, Revelation He's praying now for the world and praying, not, not for the world, I'm sorry. He's praying for his apostles, his 12. And he says there, he says, neither pray I for these alone, his 12. Listen, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. At that time, he prayed for us. He knew that we were going to believe on him through their word. Jesus Christ himself never wrote a book in the Bible. His spirit, the spirit of Christ, inspired men to write. But he never actually took a pen and began to write down the story. He entrusted that job to his apostles, to his people. And he said that we now in America in 2019 are going to believe on him through their word, through the scriptures that they have written down the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen? So what they said is what is. I'm saying this for a reason. Because people will tell you, and I've heard it myself, that the apostles were disobedient. Where we read the book of Acts and begin to show people in the streets that preach the word what God says, at the end of the day, they'll turn around and say, you know what? The apostles were disobedient. I've been there. And it's sad. So I want to show you and emphasize that God chose these men. 
he didn't choose our pastor or the ministers here at that time. He chose them. And then they wrote down the testimony. And they spread the word. And it multiplied. And now we're here today. Amen. Same word. He gives them a commission to go preach. We see it in Matthew 28. He says, go, therefore, and teach all nations. Teach them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That name is singular, which is Jesus. And 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So he gave them the message, commanded them things to teach. That I'm going to teach you first. I'm going to pour into you everything that, that you need to know about salvation, about being born again, about himself. And I want you now to go to all nations. All nations is important. He didn't mean that you're going to literally, the apostles were, were, were going to literally walk into all nations and preach. But he was saying that the kingdom of God is opened up to everyone now. Not only the Jews, but everyone now, every nation is going to be able to come into this kingdom if they believe and they are born again of the water and of the spirit. In Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, go into all the world, again, the world, the people, and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16, 19, 20 says this, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up in heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. When the word of God is preached, God will confirm his word with signs following. Last Sunday, we saw people at the same altar receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They became believers because we keep it simple. We keep it ABC. We keep it like the apostles preach it. And when we preach the truth, people will receive the miraculous. God will fill their hearts with the Holy Ghost and fire. If you're here today and you do not have the Holy Spirit and fire with the sign or evidence of speaking in tongues, you can today. How many times have you seen an altar call like that on TV? Never. People come in one way and leave another. We need the Holy Ghost to be changed. We need God in our hearts to be changed. It's a promise. Out of all the promises of God, he emphasized that promise on, on the day of the church, the book of Acts, when the church began. The promise in Joel, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. It's powerful. God wants to fill us with his spirit so we can walk in his ways and know him. And no, and no one will any longer need to teach us or tell us, know God. Because we will know him for ourselves because he lives in us. He told the apostles, I'm with you now, but one day I'll be in you. And like I'm with you now, leading you now in the flesh, I'm going to lead you in the spirit. We see Peter denying Christ three times before the resurrection, before the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Denying him. He was with him and he still was weak in the flesh and denied him. But we see the same Peter preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ the first time with power and anointing to the same people that crucified Jesus, the same people he was afraid of. You know why? Because now he was filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Now he was able to be a witness unto God. That was the difference between um, um, pre-resurrection and post. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost turned a fearful fisherman into a powerful apostle. It was the Holy Ghost. God told Zerubbabel, it's not going to happen by power or might. What's going to happen by my spirit, says the Lord. I want to tell you that, that now and going forward, the things that God has put in your heart is not going to happen because you have finances or because you're smart with a, with a degree or because you know people. The things that God is calling you to do is going to happen and be accomplished because of the spirit of Christ. In Jesus' name, we need a desire a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And the Bible says, when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you shall be filled. God will fill you, but we cannot be hungry for what we don't know. And we can't believe unless a preacher preach. And a preacher cannot preach unless he's sent. And at this church, we are dedicated to preach to you the gospel, the full gospel of Jesus Christ. I have three minutes. Luke 24, he gave them understanding to understand the scriptures. He gave him a charge to go and preach. In Acts chapter 1, Luke is continuing his book of, of, of Luke, actually, the gospel of Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. So he's continuing on now the story, and he says in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, the former treaties have I made. O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, he wrote it before, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto who? The apostles whom he had chose. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion or crucifixion and resurrection by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He had a minister conference for 40 days, teaching them, instructing them, I'm leaving, so make sure you hear me, understand what to do. Peter, I gave you the keys to the kingdom. What you preach is important because what you preach will give people access into the kingdom of God. So make sure you're listening. And for 40 days, that number is salvation also, he taught them. Things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And we see now in the book of Acts, verse, chapter 2, verse 37. And can we stand please? I have so much more, but we have pre-service prayer. We want to pray this morning. I have 60 seconds. And Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 39. And this that I'm reading now is throughout the whole Bible. I'm, I, I apologize that time is up. I can't go through all of it now. But it's the same thing. It repeats. The plan of salvation is repeated throughout the book of Acts. All the gospels end in amen. But the book of Acts continues on because we're living it today. We are the church of Jesus Christ. He has given us the mandate, the word, the script to follow. If you had a sales job, you know what a script is. You follow the script and you're successful. He gave us a script that cannot be changed. The word is forever settled in heaven. It's not up for debate. But if you believe the word and you respond to the word according to the instructions of the Holy Ghost, 
you shall receive the blessing. He says in Acts 2.37, now when they heard this, they heard the gospel, Peter's preaching, they were pricked in their heart, convicted, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? He did not say, repeat after me, the sinner's prayer, because he knew better. And God gave him the keys to the kingdom of God. And now it's about to be open. The door is going to open. Then Peter said unto them, because they believed already, he said, repent. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I was religious. I was going the wrong way. But now I see that you're God, Jesus. I see that you are my Messiah. You are my Savior. And I'm sorry, God, from my heart. I repent. That's a sinner's prayer, right? Repentance. But look, and he says, and be baptized. Every one of you, all of you who believe and repented, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins or forgiveness of sins. If you believe and you repented, then this should be easy for you. You should rejoice to be baptized in his name. And he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise is for unto you, the Jews, and your children, and to all that are far off. Everybody, even as many as the Lord God shall call, and he's still calling today. So if he's calling you, this is the great cloud of witnesses that we have. They went through the same process, everyone. And we're part of that big family. We're part of the family of Jesus Christ. So we follow their footsteps and do the same thing. Here in this scripture, I'm closing right now, we see the water and the spirit. Linking up to John 3, being born again, water and spirit. We see people in the book of Acts receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Like the wind. We don't know where it came from, but we can hear the what? The sound. When Peter preached to the Italian man, right, Cornelius. While he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. And what happened? How did he know? Because he heard them speak with other tongues and prophesy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And he says, what forbid these men now to be baptized? And he commanded them to be baptized. First time Gentiles are coming to the kingdom. Be baptized in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your truth. We pray, God, that something new will happen to someone today, that they will have faith in you, God. They will have faith that please you, Lord, that they will not look to man or traditions, but they will walk in the truth of your word, that they will forsake all following after you, Jesus. If there's someone here who does not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or have not been baptized in your name, like all of your apostles and all of your saints, I pray today that faith will arise in their hearts and they will have boldness to follow through and to be saved. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing this morning. God is good. Can you please come down to the altar? <laughs> And let's pray for our service. If you're able to come down, we want the whole church, every saint, everybody that, that calls on Jesus from a pure heart 
to come down, if you can, if you can, and to pray at the altar before our service starts. Heavenly Father, bless this service today, Lord. Bless the people in your house, God. There are so many needs here today.